What's happening with our economy? Why are prices going up almost before our eyes? What has happened to the housing market? When is this going to turn around? And when it does, is everything going to crash? Is there anything you and I can do about it? I'm Ray Notgrass. We'll discuss our strange economic times today on Exploring History. Welcome to Exploring History with Ray Notgrass, a production of Notgrass History. Let's go back in history, all the way back to early 2020. That's just over two years ago, but a lot has changed since then. In early 2020, our national economy was doing great. Unemployment was about 3.5%. In other words, just about everybody who wanted a job had one. Inflation was running less than 2% annually, and it had been low for several years. It seemed manageable. The federal deficit in fiscal 2019 was almost $1 trillion for the year. That's serious, but we continued to function. The economy grew at the rate of about 2% in the last quarter of 2019. Again, not optimum. Economists say that a healthy economy grows at a rate of about 3% per year, but pretty good. Then came the COVID pandemic in March of 2020. The pandemic affected our lives in many ways, quickly and forcefully, all around the world, most pointedly in the loss of loved ones and the illnesses that millions of people endured. But certainly, one major way it affected us was economically. Federal, state, and local governments pretty much shut down the economy in an attempt to halt the spread of the virus by limiting interpersonal contact. Factories closed, restaurants closed, layoffs were everywhere. The government usually tries to encourage economic activity, but this time the steps the government took slowed down economic activity because of the pandemic. To compensate for this loss of income, the federal government issued relief checks to American citizens and authorized assistance to millions of businesses. This meant that the federal government got much deeper in debt. Deficit spending of this magnitude was unheard of before the recession of 2008-2009. Some businesses profited from the pandemic, such as companies that made plexiglass screens for checkout counters and those that made face masks. Online shopping grew significantly because people were less willing or were unable to shop in person. This economic downturn happened all over the world, and it severely affected our interconnected global economy. Because of the illness and the desire to avoid it, many people were unwilling or unable to work. Workers could not get raw materials and could not produce parts and finished products, nor could they ship them to other places. Supply chain issues developed. We started seeing empty or partially empty shelves in stores. Unemployment went from 3.5% early in 2020 to its high point of 14.8% in April. The worst of the economic slowdown was severe but relatively brief. 
The National Bureau of Economic Research, the organization recognized as the standard source on economic trends, said that a recession began in February 2020 and ended in April when the economy started to turn around. It was the shortest recession on record in American history. Vaccines were developed in late 2020 and began widespread distribution in early 2021. Over the course of 2021, life gradually began returning to a version of normal. Businesses opened up. People went back to work. Then in the summer of 2021, inflation began rising, and it continued to increase in early 2022 at rates we hadn't seen in 40 years or so. Now let's talk about today, May 2022. Some companies have gone out of business. They didn't have the resources to stay afloat during the shutdown. Many companies that are open are having a hard time finding workers. Some 11 million jobs go unfulfilled. House prices have skyrocketed all over the country. The federal deficit for fiscal 2020 was $3 trillion. The deficit for the first five months of fiscal year 2022 was half a trillion dollars, trending better, but those are still huge numbers. In 2021, the economy actually grew at a healthy rate, 5.7%, although we have to remember how low things had gotten the previous year. But then, in the first quarter of 2022, the economy shrank at an annual rate of 1.4%. The unemployment rate is back down to 3.6%. The economy is getting close to the level of activity it had before the pandemic. The biggest concern right now is about the rate of inflation, which we will discuss in detail in a moment. So how did we get here? And how can we get out of here? I find economic analysis to be difficult and complicated, and I don't claim to have all the answers. But I think we can identify a few key elements. You will hear many ideas in the media, and some of these ideas conflict with each other. I think first that we need to give a good bit of grace to those who have been in leadership positions over the last two years. Our current leaders had not faced anything like what we have experienced. Everybody was in unknown territory, searching to find a way through. Several factors have made a difference in bringing us to this point. People have been unwilling or unable to work. Supply chain issues have been major from getting raw materials in the door and getting finished products out the door to having dozens of container ships sitting at port unable to unload. Deficit spending by the federal government no doubt has helped many people in the short term, but as we will see in the long run, it has aggravated the problem of inflation that we are facing now. The war in Ukraine has affected the world economy in several ways. We could list other factors, it's easy to say the problem is this or the problem is that, and I don't want to oversimplify, but let's look at just three of what I believe are significant factors. First is the old standard economic law of supply and demand. If supply doesn't meet demand, the result is usually higher prices. If supply exceeds demand, the result is lower prices. Over the last two years, supply has not kept up with demand, the supply of goods and services, and the supply of workers. This has helped to drive up prices. 
In April and May of 2020, the average gasoline price across the country was just under $2 per gallon. Demand was lower because people weren't driving as much. Today, just as people are getting out more and demand is increasing, the world's supply has been cut by the war in Ukraine. The average price is over $4 per gallon. Next, let's look specifically at inflation. One commodity of which we have had a large supply is money. The federal government has poured money into the economy. The late Nobel economist Milton Friedman said that inflation is always and everywhere a monetary issue. To a great degree, people have had money over the last two years, but they had fewer places to spend it. As the economy loosened back up, money was available before goods and services were available. This situation tends to cause prices to rise. If business owners believe that people can afford to pay more, they are likely to charge more for their goods and services. But beyond that, business owners have to try to predict how much it will cost to replenish their inventory. They have to cover rising rent, wages, and other expenses. This is sometimes called anticipatory inflation. One shorthand definition of inflation is too much money chasing too few goods. There's a lot of truth to that. The Federal Reserve System creates and oversees the money supply. One main way that the Fed attempts to control the money supply is by buying bonds, which puts money into circulation, and selling bonds, which takes money out of circulation. The Fed has bought trillions of dollars in bonds in recent years, and now it has begun selling them. In addition, the Fed sets interest rates for money that banks get from the Fed to loan to their customers. For several years, the Fed has kept interest rates extremely low. This contributed to the demand for housing, which has helped to drive up the cost of housing pretty much all over the country. Now the Fed is beginning to raise interest rates to limit demand by making money more expensive to borrow. The balancing act in all this is to encourage economic growth without bringing on inflation, and at the same time, slowing down inflation when it occurs without bringing on a major economic slowdown that we call a recession. One other factor in the current mix is employment. As we consider the numbers and percentages and economic trends, we need to remember that economics is first and foremost about people. People work, earn, save, and spend. People have wants and needs. People supply and people demand. One new factor throughout the pandemic has been what is called the Great Resignation, as people have either changed jobs or stayed home. The Bureau of Labor Statistics estimates that about 9 million people left their jobs just during November and December of 2021. Some people have been willing to live on the increased government benefits that have been available. Others have changed jobs to employment that offered higher pay, more flexible working conditions, and greater opportunities for advancement. The increased number of people working at home has changed the work dynamics and work possibilities for millions of Americans. Companies have had to offer higher pay to attract the workers they needed. And yet, millions of jobs remain unfilled. It doesn't appear that a lack of jobs is a key factor in our economic situation. What is going to happen? 
In the long run, I believe that the economy will recover. The United States still has the largest economy in the world. We have great resources in materials, technology, and most of all, people who are willing and able to learn and work. Our economy will probably look different in some ways from the way it looked before the pandemic, but that is what happens when a major change takes place such as what happened with the development of the automobile and the development of the personal computer. The difference this time is in the speed with which these changes are taking place. When energy prices go up, for instance, people will find or develop alternative sources of energy or alternative forms of energy. New businesses will go into at least some of the places where other businesses didn't survive. Yes, there will be some losses, and some of those losses will affect you or people you know. To say that change happens is not at all to dismiss the pain that some people go through, but simply to recognize it as a reality of life. What can you and I do about our situation? I'm not a financial advisor, and I do not mean this as financial advice, but I think we're called upon to be even better stewards of our resources. There's still a need to save wisely and spend wisely, it would seem unwise to go further into debt right now. What debt does, on a personal level or on a national level, is to tie up money that could be spent on other things. The difference between personal debt and national debt is that a national government can print more money. Of course, that leads to other problems, as we have noted. I believe inflation will come down at some point, to some degree, we have learned better over the last few years how to fight inflation, if our leaders will have the courage to do what it takes. Whether or not they do, we still have the responsibility to live wisely and well. I hope this discussion has at least helped explain some of the factors affecting our economy as we think about how we got here and how we go on from here. We all face uncertainty every day. But some days and some periods in history make that especially clear. We occasionally get a vivid reminder that even with our hard work and material success, ultimately we depend on God and His provision. May God bless you and may He bless us all as we walk through these days in faith. I'm Ray Notgrass. Thanks for exploring history with me today. This has been Exploring History with Ray Notgrass, a production of Notgrass History. If you are interested in learning more about the way the economy works, please check out Notgrass History's high school curriculum, Exploring Economics. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app, and please leave a rating and review so that we can reach more people with our episodes. If you want to learn about new homeschool resources and opportunities from Notgrass History, you can sign up for our email newsletter at exploringhistorypodcast.com. This program was produced by me, Titus Anderson. Thanks for listening.